I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Except you're with Leah Murray and my good friend Marty Carpenter. Boyd will be back tomorrow. Um, so did you know that today, I think, Marty, um, the, the Utah State Legislature is going to be having a conversation about social media and whether – I feel like for Utah, it's young people, right? Like it's yeah. under the age of 18, maybe should not be on these Or, or at least not on them in school yeah. or something like that. And yesterday the Surgeon General came out and said, really, 13 is too young for these apps. So clearly the country's – Talking about it, right? Um, the whole nation's talking about it. Utah specifically yeah. talking about it today. It feels like a really big lift in practicality of like how do you put that cat back in the bag, <laughs> right? right? And I say that as a parent with like you know four teenagers who are all on it incessantly in some form or another, watching videos or you know pictures or whatever they're doing. Um, I just even when you say like oh well, we could ban it. Boy, how do I pull that off in my house, right? right. We would all pay for it. Right. <laughs> and then we'll make the elected officials yeah. pay for it. Maybe. It's essentially like saying, oh, put your kids on a diet, yeah. and then you are the one that gets to live with them, not the person who told you to put them on yeah, the diet, no, exactly right? exactly right. And it might be really good for them. I don't doubt that necessarily, but right. like, it doesn't mean that there's not pain involved in that process. No, very, very tricky. Um, and I think one of the very specific social media apps that we're talking about is TikTok. And I don't think TikTok raises, right? It's not the Instagram mental health connection, right? It's none of those issues. But the concern around TikTok, Marty, is that it is an app that is owned by China or the company maybe is based in China. Fair to say it has some ties to China. I think it's the company that owns it is owned by a company in China if okay. I'm following that right and generally. so that app is under intense scrutiny we have got with us Daniel Lyons a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute also a professor of law at Boston College Law School to help us figure out what's going on welcome to the show thanks thanks for having me right so can you just do better than what I just did what is going <laughs> on with TikTok what is the specific security risks that are posed Yeah, so the primary issue that folks are concerned about with regard to TikTok specifically is the exactly what you said earlier, right? It's connected with China. So TikTok is owned by a company called ByteDance. Um, And it's not entirely clear uh, how much of a connection there is between ByteDance, the company, and the Chinese government. But there's enough to raise concerns within the national security community. Um, And those concerns are twofold. First is that TikTok gathers a ton of information about its users. And so there's concern that the, uh, through TikTok, the Chinese government may be able to get access to intel on uh, the U.S. government or uh, individual actors in the United States. Uh, and the second would be a concern the other way, that uh, China might use TikTok to try to push either Chinese propaganda or misinformation in ways that could sway the views of the American public. And that's what they always say about TikTok, right, is that in the United States, we see people dancing and doing silly things. But in China, they have kids solving math problems or something like using it as an educational or beneficial. No idea. That's just, you know, one of those hearsay type things uh, that I've heard. And and it's worth mentioning that here in Utah, Governor Cox, by executive order, has banned TikTok from all state owned devices. So if you work for the state of Utah, you don't have it on a phone that's issued by the state for those same kind of reasons. But, Daniel, I'm wondering about this. 
Um, you know, there have been calls for TikTok to be banned in our country. You know, uh, here in the state, they did it for state employees. That's something they actually control. But it's just more of like a blanket ban on TikTok in general. Um, do you think a ban like that would be constitutional? Would that be something that could actually be more than you know a, a political stunt? Yeah, I think a, a bill that would require sort of a uh, complete ban of the platform nationwide uh, probably runs afoul of the First Amendment, uh, right? So um, the way courts usually think about this um, is what type of a restriction is the uh, the law, right? In this case, it would be what we call a content-neutral restriction. It's not seeking to uh, limit our speech on the basis of what we're saying, but is limiting the use of a particular platform in order to engage in speech. So normally, um, for content-neutral restrictions, the court looks for the government to show that the restriction is furthering an important governmental interest that's not related to speech, and that it's not burdening substantially more speech than necessary to achieve that interest. So the way the government would make its argument in this case is um, that the flow of data about TikTok users to China could lead to um, providing intel that the, uh, jeopardizes national security. I think that probably counts as an important governmental interest. The challenge is that a flat ban uh, burdens substantially more speech than necessary to achieve that interest, right? And it, a flat ban not only stops the flow of sensitive information, but a wide range of completely innocuous information, right? Dance videos, sea shanties, um, uh, all sorts of stuff that uh, totally has no national security implications at all would be uh, prohibited under the law. And the sense is that's an overreach, right? That chills more speech than necessary to achieve the, the national security goal. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. So can you talk to us? I was reading your article um, on the AEI website from yesterday, and I'm just going to have you do oh, it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you could talk about how the courts have ruled in this area. So, for example, you've got in your article the 2017 Packingham versus North Carolina decision. Um, and just kind of flesh out very specifically what, how the, right, like how the court's going to apply this test. Yeah, so Packingham is the closest, I think, the Supreme Court has come to a, a case like this. In Packingham, the issue was um, a condition that the state of North Carolina put on convicted sex offenders after they had served their sentence um, as an ongoing restriction on their liberty. They were, una- they were prohibited from using social media platforms. Right? And so the, con- the concern, of course, is social media is a, a way for um, sex offenders to try to lure minors in, uh, for illicit conduct and the prohibition is designed to, to kind of protect them. Um, and so, again, that same two-part inquiry, right? Is there a government have an important interest here, and is it burdening more speech than necessary to achieve that interest? Uh, in this case, I think the court recognized pretty um, uh, easily that uh, protecting minors from recidivist sex offenders is an important governmental interest. Uh, despite that, the court unanimously said this ban reaches too far, right? Prohibiting... 
uh, sex offenders from using social media at all, cuts off access to job searches and political news and communication with friends and neighbors, none of which is sort of um, uh, related to the protection of minors. The court analogized social media to the modern public square, right, and said that if you're foreclosing sex offenders from using social media at all, you're effectively limiting their ability to uh, engage in First Amendment activity online. Even though protecting minors is important, this is a ban that reaches too far in order to accomplish that goal. Yeah. So, Daniel, where do you think this debate will lead? Will restrictions inevitably be put in place, or are there alternatives that lawmakers uh, and people in general will, will accept? Yeah, I, so I think a nationwide ban is probably unconstitutional, but I think there are a lot of steps the government can and probably should take uh, to try to address these national security concerns. The FBI director, Chris Wray, uh, was out earlier uh, this month highlighting the fact that you know TikTok can be misused in this way. And we've at least seen one instance of it where uh, a Chinese team used TikTok information in order to identify the confidential sources that a journalist was using. And so they used information the app uh, was generating to figure out who the journalist was meeting with and, and uh, at least allegedly uh, disclosed who this uh, source was. So it's, it's, not, it's beyond the realm of just um, conjecture. It, it, there, we have real-life case examples that this can be done. Um, so the question is, what can the government do about it that doesn't fall afoul of the First Amendment? And I think there are some restrictions that wouldn't chill too much speech. So, for example, restrictions on uh, regulating the flow of data from U.S. servers to China is one thing we could do. Um, the government has been exploring uh, the possibility of putting uh, corporate controls on TikTok, the company, to kind of uh, sever or at least um, erode the relationship between TikTok and ByteDance and the Chinese government. Um, so uh, the ban on uh, TikTok use on government devices, I think, makes a lot of sense and is probably constitutional because um, – Government devices are more likely to be a place where sensitive information is, and a ban on government devices doesn't prohibit people from using TikTok entirely. It just can't use it on this device. They can use it on that device. So there's a lot of creative options out there, um, and I expect that we will see uh, policymakers in uh, the White House and in Congress kind of think through these different options in the days ahead. All right, Daniel Lyons, fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and professor of law at Boston College Law School. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. All right, Marty, another question about the federal government and what it gets involved in is maybe police reform, especially after this case with Tyree Nichols' death. Jillian Snyder from the R Street Institute will join us after the break. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? 
That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.